Welcome to Let's Talk Learning Disabilities with Lori Peterson and Abby Weinstein. Lori and Abby spend their days talking about dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, and ADHD. They talk to parents of struggling students and adults who have had a lifetime of academic challenges. They want to share those stories along with their own insights with you. So, let's talk learning disabilities. everybody. This is Lori. And this is Abby. Welcome to Let's Talk Learning Disabilities. We are bringing you another episode in our 12-part series called Turning Struggles into Triumphs, Parenting Through Learning Challenges. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's interview. Have a great day. Well, hello, Catherine, and welcome to our podcast, Let's Talk Learning Disabilities. Hi, Abby. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. Hopefully, one of our listeners, at least, will benefit from hearing your story, and it may be um, the spark they need to push for uh, getting an evaluation or determining what exactly is going on or why their child is struggling. So I appreciate you being here again. Thank you. I hope so, too. Good. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about the struggles that you observed prior to any evaluation or diagnosis and struggles, whether they're academic and or behavioral. What were you observing? Yeah. So my son, um, he had been in Montessori since he was two, and he, we are also a very, I love books, so I've read to him since he was really young. And when he was in pre-K at his Montessori, um, I started to notice that I felt like he wasn't doing things I saw other kids being able to do. Um, and just knowing our background and the way I had done things with him, I, I did kind of pick up on that he couldn't consistently like name a letter for me. Um, he wouldn't try to write his name. He wouldn't seem to recognize his name. And... Um, I just thought, oh, he's so little still, maybe he doesn't care, you know, because with him, he actually would sometimes make jokes sometimes. So it was hard to tell, like, you know, you'd ask him what a color was and he would think it was funny to say the wrong Uh, color. So we were kind of confused. Does he really not know? Does he, you know, we couldn't tell. Is he joking? Mm -hmm. Uh, which I actually feel bad about now, some of the things that I thought, oh, he must be joking that he doesn't. Anyway, um. But when, uh, so we elected to keep him at kindergarten for, uh, keep him at his Montessori for kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And it, we had gotten two months into kindergarten and he still couldn't tell me the letters of his first name and he still would not write his first name. And at that point, I, I just started thinking something's off. And so I started working with him myself and just tried to teach him just, you know, letters of his first name. Mm-hmm. And um, he got that down. He could tell me, okay, that's, oh, that's, you know, all of his first name letters. Okay. And then I started working on our last name with him. And there are duplicate letters in the names. And he could not identify the same letters <clears throat> in the last name even though he could see them in his first name. Right. I don't even know the language to use. Um, But, and so I just knew something was off at that point. That letter I in your last name, he couldn't recognize and call it an I, but the letter I in his first name, he could recognize it now and call it an I. Yes. Okay. So at that point I knew something's off and I called, I have a sister who has dyslexia 
Mm-hmm. And she, her, she has children who have it. And I called her and I told her, hey, this is what's going on. Do you think he has dyslexia? And she says, probably so. And so I felt like, okay, let's go ahead and have get him evaluated because I just want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. I knew that the earlier that we got help for him, the better the outcome would be. <clears throat> Excuse me the better the outcome would be. And I didn't want him to go a long time struggling without understanding why he was struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I could tell he was already picking up on, I can't do this and other kids Mm -hmm. can. Um, And so at that point we started looking for a place to do an evaluation. Okay. So you sought out a private evaluation and Mm -hmm. What was the evaluation process like? Was it, you know, fairly easy? What was it like for you? What was it like for him? Um, it was once we found you guys and decided to go with you guys, because there's so many options and some of them charge a lot of money. And I do, I want to give you guys kudos for your price points are so competitive. And the job that you do is really thorough and great. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate that. <laughs> yes. So that was um, once we selected you guys, uh, you guys, you know, you make the process as easy as it can be. I I think, you know, as far as paperwork, that was very straightforward for me. The harder part was the emotional part for me and having to tell him I'm going to have to, I I didn't phrase it that way to him, but, you know, hey, we're going to go for some questions to be asked to you mm-hmm. and we're going to see I'm framing that for him of like hey we're going to see if you need to go about learning how to your letters and learning how to read a different way mm-hmm. you know your aunt has dyslexia I think you might have it we're going to go see if you do we can handle this if you're just going to have to learn these things in a different way uh, but he didn't want to go sure. and that was very that was hard, hard for you yeah because he was only five and he's a little and he's like, I don't want to go. He did not want to go. And so yeah, he was that was the hardest. Five. Yeah. And I like the way you explained it to him that we're going to figure out if you need extra help and what's the best way to help you. I think that is a good way to put it. But still, when you tell a child that is struggling academically that you're going to, you know, spend the next couple of hours with someone doing academic work. <laughs> I'm sure he was like, oh. no, he, I, I could even tell you how bad he did not want to do it. Like, in his, it was like the thing of like, you felt like you, you, I knew as the parent, it was in his best interest to go do that. But as far as he was concerned, it was hurting his soul that he had to go. No, he, he was fine. And he got toys after that, everybody. Oh, so. <laughs> so by the end of the evaluation, when he came out and you took him home and you're driving in the car, he, it, 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 it wasn't as painful as he thought it was going to be. Uh, well, he, I think he definitely didn't enjoy it. And you guys, I know you make it as, as easy as you can. You, it's not like you did a 10 hour evaluation with a five year old. I don't want to make it seem that way. I think it was only like an hour or two. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he, he was relieved once it was over. And I don't think he even, 
I don't know if he remembers it now. I mean, within an hour of being home, he was back to his happy playing oh, self. <laughs> it all ended up okay. <laughs> so then once you we met with you and went over the results and you got the diagnoses, do you how did you feel? I mean, did it did it confirm things you suspected? Um, did it make sense based on the struggles you had observed? It did. It, it confirmed what I suspected. And it, we also had an additional diagnosis. Um, he was also, so he was diagnosed with dyslexia and he was also diagnosed with dysgraphia, which I wasn't necessarily expecting. Um, but I, I, it's funny. I have another nephew who had been diagnosed with that, you know, 10 years mm-hmm. prior. So it wasn't, um, unheard of in our mm-hmm. family. Um, I just wasn't, I didn't, I didn't know. That's one of the things it's interesting. Like his refusal to even try to write his name was a sign Absolutely. of that. Yeah. I just didn't know, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, so that it was emotional to, to receive the diagnosis just because I, you just don't want school to be that hard. Right. And, right. you know, I knew at that point, like, okay, this is going to be harder for him than for somebody who doesn't have these things, you know, we're going to handle mm-hmm. it. But I just, it was, I did have to do some emotional processing yeah. uh, myself before sure. I told him, you know, yes, this is what's going on. And um, I think that's my the hardest things as the parent is you have feelings about these things too, that you have to handle before in theory, before you go to your child with this, you know, that makes sense. I think that is very important that you have to process it all first and work through any emotions you have related to it so that then you can think clearly and be prepared to explain it to your child in terms that, you know, they will understand best and being able to keep your emotions out of it because you don't want to explain to them, Hey, you know, you have dyslexia, you're very smart, but your brain learns how to read differently. Um, Mm -hmm. But you don't want to be like having tears rolling down your face as you're telling him that because then it's like, uh, Kind of like, okay, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> right. Because, and, and and I do think you have to process through that too, of like the feeling of it's, it's because it has its challenges, but it also has its advantages. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there are really great things about having Absolutely. dyslexia too. So, there are a lot of yeah. strengths that come from the dyslexic brain. In fact, there's a book that I often recommend to parents. It's called The Gift of Dyslexia. And it talks, you know, a lot about the strengths and the gifts that do come from the dyslexic brain and how, you know, you can learn coping skills and compensatory techniques and become very, very successful despite having dyslexia and or dysgraphia. Mm -hmm. So then once you got the diagnoses, you had that evaluation report did you share the results with the school? And if so, how did that go? Yes. So that was, um, yeah, I called our public school. I, I, I sent it to the private monastery that we were in. But pretty quickly, I realized they're not going to have the services that he needs. And any any more time we spend there is basically 
you know, waste it. I hate to say it that way, but I mean, I just felt like it was really critical to start his dyslexia services as soon as Mm -hmm. we could. And so we ended up enrolling him in our public elementary school um, within a month or two. And they were so good, proactive um, with us. They knew from day one, I called them and said, hey, this is what's going on. I have a son diagnosed with dyslexia and dysgraphia, and he's going to need services. And they streamlined it. And day one, when he started in January, he had services. And oh, great. I think, I hope I'm remembering that. Like, because I, I, I feel like there wasn't a delay. Yeah. And him starting because it was, they told me you have to get us the paperwork though mm-hmm. soon because there were, there were time constraints. So if you're, there's, there is a timing element there that I think we were able to meet. And we, once we got him there in his, you know, dyslexia class, which I'm told also treats the dysgraphia at the same time. Yes. Um, we started to see big leaps right away and him consistently recognizing um, letters and being able to write his name. Yay. Um, and, and I could tell a burden lifted off of him of like, oh, I'm going to get emotional. I'm like, I'm going to be able to do it. Uh-huh. You know, I'm going to be able to do these things that are being asked of me now. And it's not going to be outside of what I, what I'm able to learn now. Oh, good. I, you know, I do think besides the, like when you go into a dyslexia intervention program, besides learning the skills to be able to read and learning those skills in the way your brain learns best. Um, I do think it is very helpful for those students to see that I'm not the only one that has these struggles. You know, they, they get pulled into a small group with other kids with dyslexia. And I think it's great that they start to realize, wow, this boy sitting next to me on my left and this girl sitting next to me on my right has some of the same challenges that I have and, you know, experiences some, some of the same difficulties. So I think that's one of the great advantages there is just learning. It's not just me. And then the way they teach it very, you know, systematically, very structured in a multi-sensory way, I think the kids are able to make progress fairly quickly and develop some skills very quickly and early on in the program so that, you know, they open a book and now all of a sudden he's recognizing more letters and more, you know, word families and just feeling a little bit more confident and like, okay, maybe I can do this. Yes, I totally agree. That's what happened. I mean, it was like night and day, you know, between what was happening before and then what was happening after. Wonderful. So did they, um, was he being pulled four days a week or five days a week for the dyslexia? Do you remember? Five days a week. Yeah. He goes five days a week for 45 minutes each time. Awesome. And the great, I have to say too, the great thing about having him diagnosed so early is at first he was the only one in the class. I did tell him other people are going to come with you later. So don't Don't get used to the the (laughs) one-on-one attention. (laughs) Yeah. I think he actually benefited from the one-on-one and liked it. Um, but, you know, in first grade, there were more kids who were brought in with him. So, um, but I was like, honestly, excited. I was like, oh, good on me for finding it so early because now he gets one-on-one 
dyslexia services for, you know, a whole semester. Exactly. However many weeks that was. Wonderful. So, yeah. So in, in, is yeah. his dyslexia intervention program teaching him to write in cursive? It is this year. Yeah. So he at first just did print. Mm-hmm. And he's in second grade now, and they started cursive this okay, year. Okay, good. Which I think really is a lot easier for individuals with dysgraphia. You know, it's just, it flows more easily. There's less steps involved in forming the letters. There, You know, you don't have to worry about your spacing between letters as much. So I think that that will probably be something in the beginning might be frustrating and challenging for him, but... In yes. the end, I think he will find writing much easier once he learns the cursive. So that's great. I'm yeah. so glad he's in that program. And is he getting accommodations in class as well? He Test is. read or assignments read? Yeah, he is. And that, um, that's been one, one thing that has been more complicated than I thought. I, I kind of was a little naive in that I thought, okay, we got the diagnosis, check, check. We'll give them the evaluation, check, check. We're going to do the IEP, check, check. Oh, accommodation, check, check. And I, I just thought, oh, it's going to be so smooth and we're mm-hmm. done. And it's been a bit more complicated. <laughs> but overall, yeah, I think everybody really does try to, you know, accommodate him the best that mm-hmm. they can and, and do, you know, the things that he needs Um Another complicating factor is um, we also, one, I think people understand dysgraphia less than they understand dyslexia. I would agree. And if they do understand it, they have a very specific idea of it because maybe they've had one other Mm -hmm. student who has it. And so I think that that's been harder to deal with. And then another complicating factor is he later, after the evaluation with you guys, I had to take him to a medical evaluation for ADHD, which he also has. So it's it's really it's it's been much more complicated Mm -hmm. than I thought. You know, it would be after the initial. Yeah, I I mean, I don't regret. I I would absolutely do the same things over again. It's just I think when you have multiple things going Mm -hmm. on it's okay well what is what's this one doing (laughs) how do we deal with it which came first the chicken or the egg or which is which one is causing the most difficulties which is hard and and you know with adhd it does impact them across all areas of life you know, in all aspects of schooling and even home. And it's harder to pay attention even when you're in that small group dyslexia intervention program. That's what's happening now is he's getting very distracted by the other students in the dyslexia class. And um, it's funny because part of why I didn't initially think he had ADHD is it took me a long time to put certain behaviors together. So like I was not linking, you know, his inability to fall asleep before 10 ever from the time he was a baby, you know, uh, to like these sleeping issues he was having to, oh, this is ADHD. Like it took me a while to link those behaviors because I hadn't even flagged those for you guys. I just thought, oh, he's going to grow out Mm -hmm. of this, you know. 
And, you know, he stopped napping before he was even two. He would only take an hour nap max from the time he was a baby. And I didn't tell it, you guys any of that because I I didn't think that it was right. Relevant. It wasn't on your radar as being atypical or a problem. Right. Right. And so it's funny the things that later on you're like, oh, that was actually going on. That was a symptom the whole uh-huh. time. I just didn't know. Right. So that's hard. Yeah. yeah, that does kind of complicate things. And we do see often, you know, kids that have ADHD also have co occurring other learning disabilities, other diagnoses. So I do think, you know, the ADHD can exacerbate some of their other challenges. So it is important to know that it exists and make sure it's being well managed, things like that. So yeah. how so would you say now overall, is he doing better in school? Is he feeling more confident? Um, have you seen, you know, is he grabbing books more often or showing more interest in reading or writing or not yet? Um, yes, yes and no. Um, it's kind of been, sometimes he seems to, to feel great about his progress and, you know, happy. And then we've also had times where he'll say, like, you know, last year at the end of first grade, all of a sudden he said to me, um, I'm a bad reader and I'm a bad writer which was like a stab to the heart because that's exactly what I wanted to avoid with, you know, finding it early. Mm -hmm. But it's just, I think, you know, when, when it's harder and you're going to be a little delayed and you see other children doing these things easily because they don't have these same issues I think it it can just be hard to see that. You know, I think we can, even as adults, oh, don't compare yourself, but it's really hard not to, right? I mean, much easier (laughs) said than done for sure. It is hard. So we, we try to build him up and let him know, hey, you're doing great. You're doing the work that you need to do to get to where you need to go. Good, good. We're going to get there. And, you know, his reading, it's so cute. When, when we're in the car, he'll he'll just read signs to us if he can. Because I think he's proud of, of what he can right. do. You oh, know? I'm sure. It's been hard earned. That's great. So, yeah. So you notice he's yep. reading things out loud in his environment now more than he did yes. previously. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. That's yes. great. Wanting to show you I know. I yeah, I know we are way further along than we would have ever been if we didn't have the diagnosis, right. you know. And you're yeah. right, early intervention is key. So I'm so glad that you you felt like something wasn't right. You followed your gut. Um, you, you you were able to, you know, seek out those resources to, to secure a private evaluation and then learn more about why he struggles with the things he struggles with so that then, you know, you know, kind of an action plan, how to better serve him, treat him, intervene and make sure he's making the good progress he's making. So, yes, yeah. if you had to recommend something to a parent who is walking in your shoes or walking in the shoes that you were in prior to the diagnosis, do you have any recommendations or, you know, just a big key, something to think about? 
I would just say if you think something is going on, I would find somebody who you feel comfortable with evaluating. And I know, you know, for some people financially, it can feel out of reach. I would say do your research and find you. I mean, I felt like your prices were so competitive and I, I would recommend you, but I, I would say you. if you think something is going on. Yeah. We try to keep our prices lower in, in an effort to be able to reach more families and more kids and help more kids, but it is still, it is a lot of money and, you know, we have yeah, I would a say lot of people that, borrow the money if you need to. <laughs> right. It's like an investment you, in your child's future, right? Yes. Because I feel like it's that critical. Of your child will be suffering. Like if something is going on and, and it's not dealt with for a long time or ever, you're going to pay in so many other ways that are not good. That's true. I just say do what you can't, you know, some of the public schools will evaluate for free. Mm -hmm. So great. You know, do it however you can. And I would say the earlier, the better and work through your own emotions. You can cry. Your child doesn't have to see you cry. Go in your car, go do what you need to do as the parent to work through that. Because there ain't no shame in this game. And the earlier you find it, the better it's going to be. Yeah. I agree. That's really good advice. Yeah. Even if you have to lock yourself in the bathroom or go hide in the car, I think that's great. And, and hopefully, you know, you've, if you have sought out a private evaluator and had that evaluation, hopefully that evaluator can help you understand the diagnoses better um, understand more about how your child's brain processes information and learns and thinks and reasons, and then give you really good recommendations as far as, you know, a roadmap to success. But it's also important to do your own research and inform yourself and learn more about that learning disability and then be able to explain it to your child. So, yeah, that's the other part. That's the other part is you kind of have to become your child's uh, best advocate is, is how I know how to mm-hmm. say it. Because, yeah, it's, it's it's that's the first step is getting them in for the evaluation and getting diagnosis. And then there's much to come after, like you said, like you need to research it because you kind of can't just you can hand it off to the school in a way, but in a way you can't. You still have to be very involved. That's true. So you have to know. That's a good point. About the diagnosis. You know, unfortunately, even though there's laws that guide schools into guide them, you know, as far as how they need to serve students with disabilities, there's still so much variability from district to district and even within school districts from school to school. There are so many, you know, differences and variables based on, you know, the administrator, the teacher, the counselor. So advocating for your child and fighting for them to get what they need to meet, to be successful and to make good progress is huge and such a great recommendation. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much, Catherine, for sharing your story with us. And, you know, hopefully things continue to get better and better. You know, I mean, you started very young. He was, what, five when he was first tested? Yes. Yep. Okay. And how old is he now? He's seven. 
seven. Okay. So he's still very young. And I think with the, you know, continuing of the interventions and with some maturity, I think that you will start to see progress happen more quickly and he'll just start to soar. He's very capable of anything he sets his mind to. And that's another great thing you might want to do at some point. If he ever says, you know, I'm a bad reader or I'm a bad writer, um, you know, Google famous people with dyslexia and show him how many people out there in the world have been so very, very successful despite having dyslexia. Yeah, we um, after that. Yeah, we we that is a very I haven't done that with him explicitly, mm-hmm. but um I think the school does some of that. And we just told him like, look, you're, you're smart. This is just going to take a little longer for you. Mm -hmm. And you're going to, you know, you have to go about this a different way, but you're, it doesn't have to do with your intelligence. Good. That's good to help him understand that. So, but that's a good idea. I have a video on mine actually. I think there's a great video on dyslexia. I need to show him. Okay, good. Yeah. Find what you think he can handle at his age and yeah, show him some of that stuff. So that's great. Well, thank you so much again for sharing your story, being so open and honest and, and vulnerable with us. We really appreciate it. And I'm sure at least one listener will benefit from your story. I hope so. And thank you for letting me tell it. You're very welcome. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. In our show notes, you can find information about today's talk, as well as links to resources and other episodes. If you have questions about today's talk, have ideas for future episodes, or just want to stay connected, You can contact us through Diagnostic Learning Services on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. So, let's keep talking learning disabilities. This podcast is sponsored by eDiagnostic Learning. You can find more information at www.ediagnosticlearning.com.